This is episode number 018 of the Reno Slant. Two big wins for Nevada last week, and they are finally coming back home. Welcome to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans, where an award-winning sports writer and his Nevada alum brother discuss Nevada football, Nevada basketball, and, well, pretty much everything else Nevada, except for the Loyalist Chicago tournament game. We don't talk about that. Here are your bro hosts, Adam and Nathan Schaub. Who had Nevada at 10 and 0 after 10 games? 10 and 0. Because I <laughs> I did not. It wasn't sexy, but the Pack pulled out two really impressive wins over the weekend against Arizona State at the Staples Center and at Grand Canyon in Phoenix is technically a neutral site that was not a neutral site, that was a road game. Nevada now is one of nine unbeaten teams left in all of college basketball. Baskin at Reno, one of nine unbeaten teams left. Pretty wild. Best start in Division One program history, and people are starting to talk 31-0, which is hard to wrap, <laughs> hard to wrap my mind around. I'm sure some of you guys are probably be struggling with it a little bit as well. So we'll share some thoughts from what the the two really exciting wins were. We have some time to catch our breath this week. It was, it's kind of nice after the weekend the team just had. Not a game until Saturday. And Nevada's back at Lawler after three years. Feels like three years. It was a week. No, it was a month since Nevada's played a game at home against South Dakota State. Six o'clock on Saturday on ESPN3. We'll share what you need to know about the Jackrabbits, who are their key players, or keys to a victory, I should say. Favorite player in the roster, and a prediction, of course. We got a really, really fun guest this week, Danny Kleppinger. Uh, some of you guys know Danny from her time covering the Rams. Some of you might know her from her time covering, uh, the Seahawks as she's, as she's doing right now. Some of you know her from covering the Nevada Cal Baptist game on Facebook. <laughs> that, that really was the reason, uh, I reached out to her a, a few weeks ago. She also does some work with the tennis channel. She covers college football and hoops for stadium. And as I mentioned, was in Reno earlier this year. So, uh, asked Danny if she wanted to come on. She was all over it, said she'd be glad to. Had a great conversation with her about what it's like being in sports media. She only graduated from college in 2013, so she's had a pretty quick rise. And you know we talked about uh, Nevada basketball and her thoughts on the team from uh, her trip up to Reno earlier this year. For slants, we're getting the games of the weekend. Bowl games start on Saturday. I don't know if I'm happy or sad. Like bowl season's here. <laughs> this is we talked about a couple weeks ago. This is the beginning of the end of football season, and it's 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 not great. I'm not coping <laughs> so well. We'll do some Twitter questions and then random Reno. So a format again this week. We'll go over the two wins. We'll hear from Danny, then jump into slants. I'm hoping this week that we're gonna get more back to a length that we want to be in terms of the podcast. So hoping this be somewhere around the hour ten mark. And I might sound really stupid by the time this is done, <laughs> and we're longer than that. Uh, but certainly the goal is to start cutting it down, make it a little bit easier for you guys on a week-to-week basis. But first, we got to jump to our iTunes 5-Star Review of the Week. $1 grand prize this week. Our iTunes 5-Star Review of the Week comes from Jared Hadler. Nathan and Adam Schaup are a dynamic duo in this podcast. I thoroughly enjoyed the banter amongst brothers. Seeing that perspective of Adam... As an avid Nevada sports fan and alum is a great aspect of the show. Nathan's credentials speak for themselves and his interviews are really, are always top notch. This is a podcast I look forward to each week. 
Jared's one of my good buddies from high school up in Woodland, Washington. Yeah. Go Beavs. So l- love that Jared's listening to the show. Uh, appreciate the love, Jared. You're the man. Thanks, thanks for the kind words and support. So we'll, uh, we'll make sure and get you a dollar on Venmo, bro. Also, we didn't, we never heard from Andrew Carr last week. So Andrew, if you're listening, we shoot us either on Twitter or email your Venmo handle so we can get you those, uh, three, bu- three bucks. So bro, uh, we were up in Tahoe together this weekend, last weekend. I don't know how you, last weekend. I think we yeah. go with last, last weekend, last weekend. And I'm still tired. <laughs> like I'm well, you should have done, done what I did. I slept all Saturday night. You should have been in my. Should have done what I did. Yeah. So for everyone listening, so we had a cabin up in Tahoe. We probably had on Saturday night. We probably had 15 people in there. It was a fat cabin. Like that cabin was sweet. Mm-hmm. And we had in one room. We went full college. We had a bunch of people playing Rage Cage. You go, you walk around the hallway, and Adam zonked on the couch for like. Starting at like six o'clock at night, just a non-participant. Yeah, my, my, my Fitbit said I slept from like six thirty until about five something in the oh morning. Yeah, I slept for a long time. I was beat from shredding the mountain, you know. I was tearing it up, shredding the gnar. <laughs> yeah, I've uh, I've unfortunately gotten too familiar with that Sunday nine p.m. flight from from Vegas to Reno. It's always a fun one, huh? It, it's uh, it always sounds good in theory. Like I'm gonna hang out on Sunday, be there as long as can, but then it gets to like. 6.30, and it's dark. Like, shit, we still have two like, hours. I, yeah, you're just like, I just want to be home at that point. I, you don't I just want to be, exactly. Yeah, not great. Um, All right, so we got up to the cabin on Friday for about the, I mean, I was kind of, I was falling on my phone on the drive up the mountain. We got there with about five minutes left in Nevada. It was starting to take control. Uh, what were some some thoughts you had from the seventy two sixty six comeback win over Arizona State? Three point struggles, three point mm. shooting struggles. <laughs> they got shot sixteen point seven percent. Yeah, if you you know get it all equated out, but whole I mean, you still win a tough game on the road with sixteen sixteen percent shooting, but I don't want to be carrying that throughout the season. I don't want to be shooting sixteen percent. You know, when conference play rolls around. So that was, when I was looking at the stat line, that was one of the first things that really stood out. Nevada has a comeback win over a ranked team away from Lawler, and your first takeaway is a negative? Yes. Wow. You can't, you gotta ground team, you gotta ground the team. You can't <laughs> sing all praises. Okay. Well, my, my first thought was just that's a massive win all around. All around. It's likely the only ranked team that Nevada's going to play this year in the regular season. And if they lose that game, you know that the entire rest of the way, when anyone talked about Nevada, it'd be, yeah, but. Yeah, but. Mm-hmm. They had one chance, and they and they couldn't get it done. Fortunately, that's not going to be the case, because they did find a way to get it done. Arizona State, we talked about on the show last week, had a 20-game non-conference winning streak coming into that one. And they Broken. were up 36-21 with 30 seconds left in the first half, Arizona State was. Just another really resilient, really impressive win for Nevada. That, that was my biggest takeaway. Do you have another positive or are you going to go uh, negative Sally again? Negative <laughs> of course Nelly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be negative Nelly again. But this isn't going to be in the aspect of anybody on the court. This is for people who had money on the game. <laughs> mm. 
So if you bet on the game, you hate Daquan, Daquan Lake. Yeah, it's a bad beat there, he, about five seconds yeah, left. Yeah, he made that layup at the end that brought it back down to six to make it to push. So luckily I didn't have any money on the game. But I feel for anybody who did have money on the game because I know that feeling all too well <laughs> when there's a last-second bucket or a last-second field goal touchdown, whatever the case may be, that leads it from money into your pocket to a push. But yep. – on the bright side, it was a push. At least it wasn't a layup that turned it to Arizona State cover and you lost your money. So, live to see another day. And it's not like Nevada was covering the entire way and you lose it at the end. Like when Nevada's down mm-hmm. 36-21, you're not covering by 21 points at that point. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. I just think of it from like, they got to that point where they were covering. It's like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh. Cause you know that feeling like when your team isn't covering the entire game, then they finally come back at the end. But then I get, I'm look from the positive side is they didn't lose the bet in the end. That's yeah. that's the one positive. But yeah, I mean, if you're looking at that and then you start feeling pretty good that you're covering, but um All right. point of point of finger pointed at Mr. Lake. <laughs> I took away from the game not that I mean the three of eighteen shooting from deep was was not great. And one of my takeaways was not wow, that's a bad beat. I mean it certainly was funny at the end. Not funny, but it was interesting at the end. I just thought this was another sign, yet another sign, of this team's experience, of this team's maturity, of this team's poise. They had every reason to lose this game. They were down 15 with 30 seconds left in the first half. They were 3 of 18 from deep, as you mentioned. They had 8 turnovers in the first 8 minutes. They were averaging like 8 turnovers a game up and up until that point. That that really was a C C minus game. For Nevada, and it was away from Lawler, and it was against a ranked opponent, and it still found a way to win. It almost covered. Mm-hmm. It still found a way to almost, to almost do that. I mean, it's crazy. The, the, the last eight minutes, Nevada went on a 32-12 run against a team with that much talent and, and that much length. Um, just a wild, wild, um, win for this team. I actually, say it wasn't 32-12 to end. It was 32-12, uh, run. How, what's this number? I can, 32-12 after they went into the huge hole. There we go. We'll put it that way. Anyway, <laughs> you score an Arizona State team by, by 20 points in, in a stretch, you're doing something right. So, I was just, again, continue to be impressed by this team's maturity. Do you have another one? Yeah, I mean, the, la- the other one was a quick one. It's just I knew the game was going, cause like, like, uh, you mentioned before, we were driving up to Tahoe, so we didn't, I mean, I only saw, the first couple minutes and I went to pick you up and then we saw, ca- caught the last couple minutes of the cabin. But I just knew in between that it wasn't going well because when we were driving up, yeah, it was Tara and I in the front and you were in the back checking your phone, you know, and I think you may have said three words the entire ride. <laughs> just, uh, well, so I, didn't, I, knew- I didn't have any service. I'm like trying to check my phone. I'm like, do I, do mm-hmm. I try to follow on the app? Do I try to follow on Twitter? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I was, and I was hungry. Yeah, t- Tara and I were kind of having a little conversation up there. We're like, all right, it's not going well if Nathan's this quiet. <laughs> uh, my, my last thing to take away from the game was we talked about Arizona State's length and, the, and their just overall ability. They have that much size, and Nevada found a way to finish that game with seven block shots, two each from Jordan Brown, who was huge in that game. I mean, not not a huge stat line. But the guys on Twitter were post game and on Twitter were saying how impressive he was from the defensive uh, defensive side of things. And when it got ugly in the first half, Musk went to Jordan Brown, who he hasn't gone a lot to this year, and basically said, "Hey, we need you to turn things around." And from a defensive perspective, he was he was a huge huge asset in, in that game. So it's the, a big. Ta- it's not an easy task. No, 
definitely not. <laughs> so the the defense as a whole continues to be really impressive. The 66 points were a season low for Arizona State. Ken Palm has Nevada, I believe it's 33rd in adjusted defense, which is just a massive jump from where this team was last year defensively. And if this team's going to go on a run in March, you know, it's got to start on, on that half of the court. So I, I just continue to be really amazed with, with the defense. Did you have another one before you move on to Grand Canyon? Let's move to Grand Canyon. So it was a short turnaround, less than 48 hours. Nevada goes to Phoenix, plays Grand Canyon at Talking Stick Arena, the Suns' home arena. Pulls out a 74-66 win in that one. I'll start this one. It was kind of a similar story. It was a brutal start. Nevada was down 11 nothing out of the shoot. Nevada didn't play particularly well. It was a tough setting. And again, Nevada found a way to win. Uh, I mean, that was the consummate trap game. That was it. Coming off an mm-hmm. emotional win, a short turnaround. In that environment, you're going home to play at Lawler for the first time in a month after that one. I mean, that one had all the makings of something something ugly happening. So just another another sign of this team's fight and its confidence. Just ridiculous amounts of poise from this group. This this senior experience helpful. Yeah, finding finding an early rhythm was not there for these last two games. Um I hate to be that guy, but I'm Are you going a negative ahead. again? I'm going negative again. You're the worst. And to make it even worse, is this the point as I was looking at it last night? Is it, it was, it's still the same thing. There wasn't much improvement from the three point perspective. And some of these points you just made, I agree with, you know, ultimate trap game. They could be looking ahead to go home. So maybe not as focused, you know, on this one because they're thinking about coming and playing uh, South Dakota State, but still a bad 27%. Um, I mean, I'll just put it that way. It's not going to win you much games when it comes down to March and stuff. But following that up, kind of what you did say is that the team, it's still impressive that a lot of these stat lines are, you know, bad or not, you know, not what you would want no, them they, to they're be. they're bad. Shoot, shooting from deep right now, those two games, they were bad. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll put it that way. They're not good at all. But like you said, it's still just crazy that this team is able to find find ways to win in the end, and this is just flashbacks of when they played Cincinnati and Texas in the tournament last year when it was just like you would get these points where like, oh, my God, count them out, and they just find the scrappiest ways to pull it out. Yeah, the, the shooting number, so 3 of 18 versus Arizona State, 6 of 22 versus Grand Canyon. That's just two really poor performances. Those two combined, 9 of 40, 23%. It's hard All to win right. games when you do that. Nevada found a way to do it twice against yeah. one decent team, one really good team, both the way from home. Just silly. Where would you mm-hmm. say your panic meter is on the three point shooting from deep right now? Because Caleb, who this team relies on to shoot, is um, he particularly struggled those two um, games? I'll see. Uh, I guess I'll start panicking a couple games in the conference. Like when they have that early game against Utah State, if it's still continuing by that point, then my a worry meter will start. Yeah, definitely start getting to that a higher range. I'm not really panicked at all. I mean, we've seen this team already hit threes this year, and I think there are some mm-hmm. things we need to consider with the with the two games. Consider those were games five and six in straight consecutive games away from Lawler. Considering. Mm-hmm. 
that Mus was basically using a six-man rotation in those games, short turnarounds. He probably had some tired legs. Consider yeah. that you're playing in NBA arenas. There's a lot made of the different sight lines and how you got to adjust to that. So it was a good ex- experience for him. It was rough. It got really cold in Los Angeles in the desert. But I, I, I don't think that it's a, it's a huge reason for concern at this point. We'll, we'll see what happens on Saturday again against South Dakota State. You'd think that the, the friendly confines of Lawler will help bump those numbers up a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Comfort them a little bit. Yeah. One of the other things, I mean, I, I just talked about it with Arizona, the Arizona State game was the defense again. That, that was a season low in points for Grand Canyon as well. 66 points in that one since the UMass game. And we can agree the defense was poor in that one. The offense did whatever it wanted. You have mm-hmm. the Loyola game on the road. The defense won that game. You have USC, a strong performance. Arizona State and Grand Canyon. USC, Arizona State, and Grand Canyon all scored season lows. Yes, it's early in the year, but all three of them were held to season lows. Mm-hmm. Nevada, Nevada's defense did. And the Grand Canyon game, by the way. I mean, it was, it was 62-61 with 2.55 left. I mean, it, it, the game was right there. Grand Canyon, the rest of the way, one of four from the field with a turnover. The the defense really uh clamped down, and when it got that close late, I mean Nevada kind of took over. That was as close as Grand Canyon got, and then Nevada separated pretty quickly. So I thought I thought that was impressive as well. Kind of having the same storyline with football with the defense of last year, <laughs> just being completely you know. The, was the, one, the, 180. the defense being surprising, some slow starts. It's like the same yeah. thing. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's a mirrored image. Yeah. And my, my, my last thing was, um, betting, going back to the betting angle again, this one didn't work out as well as Arizona State. We didn't get a push. This, they were 11 point favorite at tip. And the crazy thing is that this was their first non cover or slash push all season. So this is the first loss on a straight up bet. You could have just been taking the spread all season. You would have hit. Or yeah. well, you would have pushed against Arizona State, but you would have covered on all the other games, which is pretty crazy in basketball that you're able to go on an extended streak of that length of that many games and cover every single one. So I applaud everybody that had money on them. Uh, I didn't catch every game, but now we're now we reset the clock. Yeah, you're fe- you're feeling pretty good if you've been riding Nevada since the since the first game. If you if I was trying, I I'll do the math later tonight. But man, if you had bet a hundred dollars on the spread and just rolled it for 10 games. Mm. I'd be I'd be curious to see what what you'd be ending up with. Yeah, that would be interesting actually. Mm. The the last thing that I'll that I'll say about this before and we'll go to our interview with Danny is that in the in the off season it was all about Caleb Martin, the preseason all-American, deservedly so. He's unbelievably talented and this team is not where it is without him. That said, this is Jordan Caroline's team. Like, this is his team. As he goes, Nevada goes. And, and when shots aren't falling, when things aren't going well, you know that you can go to Jordan Caroline and be like, Jordan, we need, we need 18 and 10 from you. Like, we need it. And he does it consistently, night in and night out. They just don't lose when he gets a double-double. He had 22 and 14 in, in this one. The Caroline special. The Caroline Supreme, like, it's just, he's so good, so consistent. Um, and I think that maybe is the, is the biggest thing is that you know what you're going to get in or you know what you're going to get every single night from him. 
I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's a coach's dream. And as a fan, you love, I mean, I feel like he almost gets taken for granted because it's not pretty sometimes. Like it's kind of herky jerky and he, the, the Caroline special isn't the sexiest thing, but it works. It's effective. And I just, this is his team now. Like that's yeah. how I see it. I mean, C- Caleb did not play well the two games and Nevada still, still won those games because largely of Jordan Caroline. Well, you've seen it a couple times in the games where, like, we're going through a little bit of a lull or a struggling period, and you could see they basically just give it to him at the top of the key or kind of the corner of the key, and the whole team kind of just hands up, like, let him do his thing, and he'll either drive and give us a special, or he'll do one of those kind of weird jump threes that he does, <laughs> drain it. He just makes it happen. Mm-hmm. That's it. All right, so Nevada 10 and 0 returning to, to Lawler on Saturday to play South Dakota State. We'll preview that game after we hear from, from Danny Kleppinger. Uh, it was awesome catch, catching up with her. We recorded last night about, yes, what she's doing, covering the Seahawks and covering college football and men's basketball for stadium. She does some work with the tennis channel. I mean, you'll hear from her how, how, how much stuff she does. It really is kind of funny. So we'll play the interview with Danny now and then, uh, we'll hear about uh, South Dakota State when we come back. Okay, Danny, we were, we were just talking about it. You know, you click around, type your name into Google and about 8 million different things pop up. Um, and you only graduated from college a few years ago, 2013. So when, when people ask you what you do, like, what is your official title? What's on your business card? Uh, it's really funny you say that because most recently with the bunch working freelance and having so many different gigs at once, I actually sigh at first when people are like, what do you do exactly? Like, who do you work for? And it's like, okay, well, and then cause you don't want to like not give love to all the different companies that employ you because sure. I'm so thankful for all the different opportunities I get to do. So I spill them all out and then people look at me with a blank stare like, uh, okay, sure. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's been a really busy time and a busy football season specifically, especially this year, um, and the crossover into basketball. But um, it's all worth it. It's really fun. You you should just bring a like a cover letter around with you and be like, this is this is what I'm doing right now. <laughs> Let me paint the picture for you. Just <laughs> hand it over with some bullet points. I'm gonna take you up on that. That's kind of smart. <laughs> I I'm sure you get a ton of questions about what it's like to be a sports reporter and what's it, what's it like to be on TV. What what's something that you wish maybe more people would ask you about in terms of, of what you do for a living? Um, as far as what the job entails, I think it would be really cool if people asked a little bit more about your preparation. Um, mm-hmm. I think I get the most commonly said phrase to me is "You do your own research," and it's like <laughs> almost it's almost taken takes me back because I almost say that it's about. 90% about how you prepare and then the 10% is actually on game day, what everybody sees. Yeah. And so for me to know that and for everybody else to not understand that, that's really tough because it's kind of like, no, I actually don't just, you know, twiddle my thumbs all week and then hit game time and then all of a sudden just start talking. It's And someone's not in my ear feeding me information and just making me right. uh, basically mimic what they're saying. It's actually, you know, all the work goes on, goes on prior to the game. So mm-hmm. that's probably something that I wish people understood or asked a little bit more about is kind of how I go about that preparation, um, all the work that kind of goes into it, especially if you have multiple games in multiple different states or multiple different gigs in a week, 
because then you really do have to balance. Um, sometimes stats cross over in your head and things like that. If that was that an NFL stat I read or was that a college <laughs> stat that I read? And you kind of have to remember, but that's the part that I wish people would ask a little bit more about. And then also just being a female and working primarily in football, um, especially recently, uh, you know, having been a former Division One athlete, uh, I like to think that I do have a good perspective on a lot of different things. And because of those relationships I've built with players and coaches, I like to think that I have my own insight. And I think sometimes that gets lost, especially among females in the football space. Mm. I'm not really talking about uh, – I'm not really hitting home the females in a male world. I'm not really yeah. – that's not really my narrative. Um, it's not really something that I talk about all that often. I just more so mean uh, that – I think I wish that people would be a little bit more open to listening to my side of things because I do just genuinely believe that men, especially um, players and coaches, tend to open up in a different way to a female. So it does kind of give you a little bit different perspective. And sometimes I don't think that that uh, space is given for for me to kind of share what I've learned, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. I, I would totally agree that, that guys, males in the, the sports world, professional athletes are, would maybe open up in, in a different way. So h- how long did it maybe yeah. take you to, to realize that and realize like, I, I maybe have an opportunity here? I think initially it started because I went from playing college basketball to going and covering college in the SEC. And I think that that was a really easy transition. And I kind of assumed that they would talk to me just based off the fact that I was in their shoes just like a couple months prior to mm-hmm. being over there. Yeah. Um, it was, wasn't was until I made the jump to professional, um, to the NFL, when I realized that uh, they actually really don't have a whole lot of females around. I think that was the first really <laughs> eye-opening experience. And... The way that you, especially at training camp, you know, you're away from your families, you're away from your wives and your girlfriends, and sometimes just a female nature about you and that sort of, um, you know, that caring, let me tell you about how I'm feeling sort of thing. Sure. You know, guys don't do that to each other. <laughs> so sometimes that's something that a female can really get out of somebody. You know, oh, I've, I've noticed that you've really been walking around with your head down a lot. Are you doing okay? You know, that's something a yeah. female might notice more so than a guy who may more notice that the guy was missing uh, X number of uh, passes in, in practice. And that mm-hmm. may prompt him to ask that question. Whereas I look more at body language and interactions with teammates and things like that. I think it's just a different viewpoint. Yeah, no, no question. I mean, cause we didn't talk about this a ton before we came on. I, I was a sports writer up in Reno for, for a number of years and I can tell you, I looked for body language away from the play exactly zero times. <laughs> exactly. See, my point exactly. And it has nothing to do with anything other than, you know, that is just sort of a natural female versus male sort of perspective yeah. on things. Whether one way is right over another, I don't think is true or false. Mm-hmm. I just think it's just different. Yeah. So we hit on kind of your resume and as long as that thing is right now, you, you mentioned you were a division one athlete at Stony Brook. That's all the way in New York, correct? Yes. Long Island, New York. Yep. Long, Long Island, New York. So what, what was that division one experience like for you? Just kind of high level. Yeah, it was cool because, well, first of all, I'm so close to my family. So the idea of having to leave in general was really tough. Um, but I always knew I wanted to do broadcasting. And as a matter of fact, I actually used to throw away East Coast letters. So I was like, wow, that's too far away from family. I'm a West Coast girl. 
But something about New York and broadcasting, it all just sort of clicked in my mind. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you play a Division One sport, you don't have time to go home anyways. Right. So even if I went to school an hour away from home, I'd probably see them just as much as I did going across the country. So I didn't really let that play too much into um, going so far away. And, you know, the scheduling is tough. You know, you've got study halls, and I was a double major, and, you know, the team – the ups and downs of a team throughout the season. I had mm-hmm. three different head coaches in four years. Brutal. You know, so it was a very uh, intense experience, but I wouldn't have traded it for anything because yeah. those experiences really, like, help a lot when it comes to trying to communicate with athletes now in my career. Um, I think at first I thought that I was going to try and maybe go down maybe more of an entertainment style. I love to dress up. I love red carpets and things like that. (laughs) The idea of that makes me excited. But um, having that sports background, I realized once I got out there and really dove into the school part of it all and learning it, that that was what I wanted to do Mm -hmm. was stay on that sports track. Mm Doing doing my clicking around, I saw you made 114 career triples (laughs) at Stony Brook. That's fourth all-time in school history, right? Heck yeah. How close were you to number three and what's number one? You know what? I don't even know. Oh, (laughs) man. You don't know. I don't know. You know, it's funny. It's actually really weird because right now I'm on a totally stats-based show. But prior to that, I've never been much of a stats person. If you were going to ask me what my highest scoring game was, which I do get a lot, I have no idea in (laughs) high school or college. No clue. It's never been something that's crossed my mind. Although now that I know that I'm fourth all-time in threes, that part I did know. Yeah. because that's one you kind of just throw out there once in a while just to gain a little street cred, you oh, know? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so I throw that out there occasionally, but as far as how close the next one's were, I can't even tell you. I really couldn't. <laughs> All right. We'll do some research after the show here. And, and a lot better than me, I'm sure. We didn't win too many games. <laughs> we don't talk about that. We, we don't have to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, right. That part didn't matter. So what what took you all the, all the way to the East Coast? I mean, you mentioned broadcasting and, and that kind of drew you, drew you over there. Were, were there other schools you were looking at? Was the basketball program play a huge part in it? I mean, because that's, that's a huge move. Yeah, it's definitely a big move. And it's tough, like I said, being so close to my family and the idea of moving so far away in a different time zone, things like that. But um, that was actually the only official visit I ended up taking because I actually committed on my visit. Um, I was getting... Uh, Mostly, I was talking to schools more so on the West Coast side of things. I always wanted to go to University of San Diego, but at the time, they were looking more for a point guard, and I was more of a shooting guard. Um, talked a lot to, like, Colorado State, and um, New Mexico was, like, my first mm-hmm. school that I talked to also. Um, you know, growing up here, we were big Oregon State fans. My entire family went to Oregon State, with the exception of me. I'm the odd man out from that stat. <laughs> we all are not fans of the University of Oregon. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the in-state schools at the time, it, it just wasn't, it just wasn't going to be a fit for me. Right. Um, my teammate on my high school team was actually the best player in the state, and she was going there. And I just, you know, it was, I wanted to spread my wings, go somewhere new, and, um, Stony Brook, although, you know, no one's really ever heard of it, there's still 24,000 people in that school. And wow. um, it's definitely a culture change. And I think that it's been really good for me long term now, looking back at it, uh, because I have dealt with living in the East Coast, what that's like, navigating definitely. trains and subways and the snow and different personalities. You know, I think going out there was probably the best thing for me. Mm-hmm. For sure. So now, now that you are where you are and you've climbed so, so quickly, 
do you have your eyes on an end goal? Do you have a goal set for yourself? Have that athlete mentality? Or are you just kind of riding the wave? It's not that I wouldn't say that I don't have a goal. I think that my end game has changed so vastly since the beginning of this journey. I think it was so cookie cutter at first. Like I want to make, I want to make it on ESPN. I want to be on Fox and I want to be the sideline reporter. But now mm-hmm. as these games continue to, and just the landscape in general continues to, uh, expand and grow and especially in this digital space and there's so many different things you can do now from almost taking that entertainment style that I initially was drawn to you could go shoe shopping with players and and have your own segment on some sort of NBA TV just going and taking them out and learning more about their personalities I'm much more of a personality person I love learning about what makes a player who they are Um, so something personality driven I think for sure. And then also having the flexibility of being able to live where I want to live and cover games from there. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't always seen myself in a studio role, although recently I took on a couple studio gigs and I've, I've enjoyed them. I've enjoyed the stability of them. Um, but being that athlete, you know, there's nothing like being on the sidelines and being, you know, front row action to anything, any right. game that you want. Um, that's where the fun is for me. And that's what replaces the adrenaline rush of, being an athlete. So to answer your question, that's sort of like a long winded <laughs> answer, but basically to still have the opportunity and the flexibility to live where I would like to live and fly out and, and cover sure. games, hopefully on a bigger, uh, a bigger network. For sure. So you're from just outside Portland. You're living in LA now. You, you'd like to stay in LA. I mean, it's so sunny there. I'm sitting here in Portland right now visiting my family, and I'm looking out the window, and it's been pouring rain all day. Yep. It's something I haven't seen in a long time. So, yeah, no, I would have to say right now I'm a big fan of Los Angeles. Um, this is a question I'm, I'm sure you get frequently doing what you do, but I, I feel almost obligated to ask it. Having to, gotten to know as many players and coaches as you have, who, who do you put on the very short list or maybe in the very top of a favorite athletic personality that you've got to, got to know? It's funny because I had a feeling you would ask this and <laughs> it's the hardest question for me to answer. I bet. Because people think that so there's so many different people that people find interesting or intriguing or want to know about because, you know, Todd Gurley is a hot name right now and mm-hmm. he's a great guy and I've worked directly with him, but I've also interviewed guys like Kevin Hart or Ice Cube or, you know, Kurt Warner. It depends what area you're looking at, what genre yeah. you're looking at. Um, but on a personal note, some people that I've really enjoyed getting to know are some of those guys that I first worked with in St. Louis and the St. Louis Rams from the coaching staff to the team from Tavon Austin, Trumaine Johnson, Benny Cunningham and Jeff Fisher, just as a head coach, he really took me under his wing and taught me a lot about the ins and outs of the NFL. Because here's a girl that grew up in Oregon where there's not an NFL team. So I wasn't in tune. Well, you know, a lot of these Seattle Seahawks fans are bandwagon fans if they came from Portland. Because growing (laughs) up, it was Oregon or Oregon State, and that's it, you know? Well, have you heard the saying? Then you paid attention to Blazers. Have you heard the saying 12 since 12? Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, so yeah, I mean, that would be, those people would be the ones that stick out uh, the most to me are just really that first group in St. Louis. Awesome. So really tying it to podcast, the Reno slant, you you did a Nevada game. It was about a month ago. Now it's been Nevada Cal Baptist. And we were talking about before we came on here, it was a Facebook broadcast. Mm -hmm. It was, it was my first time watching a game on Facebook and I didn't realize there was no commercials. They just cut to the sideline reporter for the entire commercial break. I'm like, 
Is she sprinting to other parts in the stadium like <laughs> during live action? What's going on? Uh, what would you make of the Nevada team if you can remember how long ago that was now? <laughs> oh, I can absolutely remember the Nevada team because they're phenomenal. You know, I think when I first saw that I was going to be covering a top 10 team, that was the first time that I've gotten to do that. And I don't think that I really realized until I got there how special that team is. And I didn't know too, I knew a little bit about Musselman, but not too much to the point of, you know, I've had because of those commercial breaks and lack of commercial breaks entirely <laughs> me, I did a lot of research on him and his dad and his past and what he's done for the program there and how he's built it because I find it completely unique how they take the transfers and it's such an old team, such a mature team mm-hmm. and winning that way is fascinating. I almost feel like if you're one of those guys that are coming in as a true freshman, I feel that that's a real testament to the type of player he thinks you can be yeah. to bring on a true freshman into that program. Mm-hmm. Um, it was pretty impressive to watch them and pretty remarkable that even the ones that I remember going into that game that I was expecting to have the big games weren't necessarily the ones that flew off the paper, which just shows you that there's that many different weapons on that team. Yeah, they got some depth for sure. I haven't sure. looked at the TV schedule. Conference play is about to start. Are you, are you are you doing any more Nevada games this year? As of right now, I don't have any more. So if okay. you guys are listening and want to lobby for it, go ahead and <laughs> go ahead and tweet the people that may need to hear the tweets. You know, <laughs> perfect, perfect. So one of the things that I talked about, how it, it, you had to fill every commercial break, and you talk mm-hmm. about the prep that goes into doing a show. A lot of people don't realize that. I mean, even for this podcast, I mean, it's it's crazy how much you have to do beforehand. So. Mm-hmm. You have to, are you told beforehand, like, there's me this many breaks, you're going to fill yeah. all of them, and you have to fill every single one? Do you, do you come up with those ideas on your own? Are you given some yes, guidance? Yes, a lot of it. With those Facebook games, the first time that I did it was for, it's for Stadium Network. They have a partnership with Facebook. So I've actually been doing the entire college football season. I had been doing games on Facebook, which is really cool because the fans can interact during the game. They can talk to the broadcast announcers, mm-hmm. the play-by-play, the analysts, and myself all have our screens in front of us. So you can talk to us during the game, which is really cool. It makes it very interactive. That kind of goes back to what I said about this whole digital landscape kind of just expanding and blowing up right Definitely. now. Um, but because of that, yeah, there's no commercials. So the sideline reporter is in charge of all those commercials. In a football game, there's 18 with a possibility of a 19th one. Um, or, you know, also have to have a couple bloaters is what I would call it just in yeah. case. And those are a full two minutes. So actually going from that college football sideline, I think the one right before the Nevada game, I was all the way in Miami covering Florida International and prepping for those 18 breaks plus the floaters plus preparing for Nevada and Cal Baptist game because you also need to kind of share the love to both both sides yeah. both Nevada and Cal Baptist. So it was a lot of pre-preparation for those Facebook games because the last thing you want in a minute <laughs> and a half commercial break is to just kind of stand there with nothing to say. Um yeah. so some things are done on the fly for sure. I believe in that game it was uh Muscleman's birthday. So which we knew going into it, but we didn't under, we didn't know that the, the students were going to sing and had something planned for him. And so I believe at one point in the game towards the end, um, maybe that last media timeout, uh, that was sort of on the fly. Um, we had something else planned for there, but you know, it was much cooler to be able to hear an entire arena sing the head coach happy birthday. So, <laughs> you know, it was kind of setting that up and making sure I had enough to say prior to cutting to that. And so, um, you know, things are on the fly for sure. I think it helps a lot being a former basketball player. Yeah. I can kind of 
talk, talk the talk, you know, if mm-hmm. we need to fill some, sometimes that maybe, uh, we weren't on expecting, but I think that's all part of the pre-prep is right. just making sure that you are ready for anything. There was mm-hmm. a player, I believe that had, his name is escaping me, but he had a great game that game. And I don't think he was somebody that our guys really anticipated having a good game, but I had read an article prior to the game about how he has diabetes and he works out with a, um, oh, Trey Porter. Yes, thank you, Trey Porter, that's the name. Yeah, and how he, uh, you know, works very closely with the athletic trainers to make sure it's monitored in practice and how he's able to tell if he's tired or um, if he has, like, a super dry mouth. That's how it's a sign for him. And I had read an article about that, so I was able to talk about that when he had a good game. And that was not something we had originally planned to talk about. Yeah. Um, so that just kind of plays into the pre-prep. For sure. So let's be kind of fun a little bit, at least. I mean, yeah, it's okay. You go, you got an hour to fill basically <laughs> in a two and a half hour exactly. broadcast, but you get to think yeah. on your toes a little bit. You get to use your skill set a little bit. It's got to be kind of fun in that sense. Absolutely. It goes back to that adrenaline rush of playing. You yeah. know, that's the best part about going live is that, that butterflies in your stomach and everybody's watching all eyes on you and you got to perform, you know, you got to make that three buzzer, right? <laughs> you, you ever hit any buzzer beaters? Heck yeah! You, what, what shooter hasn't hit a buzzer beater, right? If you made 114 in your career, at least one of them has to be with zeros on the clock. <laughs> That's funny. There wasn't really much of a shot I didn't like, you know? <laughs> you have a favorite spot on the floor? Oh, yeah, right side wing. Right side wing. Yeah. You still play yeah. much at all? Um, I just like to challenge these really mouthy football players to games of horse. There you go. Um, you know. And they probably have no may idea. Or may not. May or may not have won a lot of money off those games, but right, we can't really say that. I'm sure won a lot of push-ups. They had to do a lot of push-ups. Won a lot of push-ups against. Uh, can, can you give us a couple names or a couple of hints you know, of guys you've beaten? Oh yeah, Pharaoh uh, Cooper. He's a wide receiver for the Rams. He's lost quite a few times to me. Akeem Ayers, I believe he doesn't play anymore, but he was on that uh, Super Bowl winning team for the Patriots, and he lost five games in a row, and then. Got started to walk away and was like, don't tell anybody about this. This never happened. And here I am just blasting it for, for everybody. To I hear. love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so funny. So funny. It's right. so fun to talk smack, you know? Absolutely. No, no question. And as an athlete, you, there's another, another thing that you can take advantage of now doing what you're doing. Absolutely. <laughs> did Absolutely. You, did you talk on the floor? Um, not so much. I was more of a peacemaker. Okay. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, I, it, yeah, it wasn't really in my personality to be much of a talker. Okay. I was one of the captains on the team, but I think I was a little bit more put together, I guess, polished on the, on the, uh, mm-hmm. on the, as far as that's concerned. But yeah, when it comes to someone challenging me on a, in my jump shot, even yeah. to this exact day, if you were going to tell me you wanted to challenge me, I mean, yeah. it's on like Donkey Kong for sure. <laughs> well, have you been in the, I'm sure you've been in the Seahawks media room. They, they have the, the hoop mm-hmm. in there. They have the hoop in there. Yeah, I keep waiting for them to challenge me. Apparently, apparently word has spread from the Rams up to Seattle. All right. Not to challenge me in anything. Well, we, we got, we got, <laughs> we got to make that happen. I, I want to see that on your, on your Twitter here in the New York. I love it. Yeah, we got to make it happen. To, to and get Bobby Wagner to try and shoot once there in a while go. and we'll just beat him. Can, yeah. he, can he even get like his arms above his shoulders because his neck is so big? Like, is he allowed? <laughs> I don't know if that works for basketball. That's so funny. I don't know. We saw how athletic he was yesterday. I was at the Monday night football game against Minnesota. He is sickly athletic. So I probably won't put him down as far as that's concerned. I, I don't <laughs> think that my athleticism could even uh, stand close to his. No, he's, he's in a different world. He Unbelievable. Really 
All right, I'll get you out of here on a, on a couple. Now I'll ask some, some tough questions for you here, Danny. Uh, okay, real hard hitters. Who is in your final four? Because I'm sure you've put a ton of thought into this already here in early December. <laughs> well, we're here talking about Nevada, so let's just throw them in there, right? Let's throw Nevada in the final four. There you go. I like that. Play I the listeners. Ten- yeah. Yes, I worked at Tennessee, so I have a huge affinity for the Vols. So that was my first job ever out of college, so I'm going to throw Tennessee in that mix. Oh, so you're pumped um, about that uh, win over Gonzaga. Well, that's actually funny you said that because I was just about to follow up that I am from the Pacific Northwest, grew up to going to West Coast Conference games. So I'm throwing Gonzaga in there too. Okay. And then I'm, I'm a Coach K fan. So let's go Duke. Go Duke. So you'd have a few. I mean, Gonzaga's already played two of those. Yep. I love rematches of some good games, you know? Yeah. I grew up, growing up in the Pacific Northwest, I was, uh, I've always been a Gonzaga fan as well. So that, uh, was not so fun for me. Yeah, I'm sorry about that, but it was like really a weird game because having worked at Tennessee, I was really excited for them too. So (laughs) yeah, it's hard. It's hard when you have so many different affiliations, you know? Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. You're all over the place (laughs) here. And then uh, on the football side, is anyone beating Bama? I don't think so. And having worked in the SEC, it's so frustrating saying that. I'm so sick of them. (laughs) (laughs) I mean that in the nicest way possible, though. Dominance is is impressive. I think the same way sometimes over UConn and women's basketball and people always wanting to put them down. It's actually it's actually a beautiful thing to watch someone be so dominant. So it's not that I'm sick of Alabama and sick of what they've done. It's just more, it's very impressive. And at the same time, so frustrating just as a competitor that no one can get them. Well, like, I can tell you I'm sick of them. They, they can go away and I'd be totally fine. <laughs> they can go away. You're done. done. No more rolling tide. We're done. <laughs> all right, Danny. Thank you so much for coming on. That was, that was a lot of fun. Congrats on all your success. I appreciate it. Real quick. Thanks here. for having me. Real quick. Don't go, don't go yet. Real quick. Oh, we're not running away yet. Go yeah, ahead. No, uh, plug your stuff. How, how can everyone follow you? Get connected with you. Absolutely. It's Danny Klupp, D-A-N-I-K-L-U-P. And that's on Twitter and Instagram. Awesome. Easy enough. All right, Danny, again, thank you so much. Thank you. Nevada returns to Lawler on Saturday evening to play South Dakota State. It's the ugly sweater game. So if you go to um, the Nevada-Texas Tech women's game beforehand, you can get a ticket for $10. Uh, pretty good deal to see the seventh-ranked team in the country play, and you get to wear your ugly sweater. Hopefully some of you guys picked up some Tipsy Elves gear. Got, got an ugly sweater for the game. But, bro, when you were clicking around, what, what's something you, you think we need to know about South Dakota State, which comes into this one at 9-3? and three? All right. So not very many people are – I would say not a lot of people have a lot of in-depth knowledge of, of South Dakota State. They're kind of, you know, small school. Why do you school. say that? They're blue blood. Uh, no question. Or I don't know. Duke, I'm not, Kentucky, uh, Kansas, South Dakota State. That's how it goes. Exactly. That's, that's how they all line up. But they are on a three year streak though of making the NCAA tournament. So they may be a small market team, smaller school, but they know what it takes to make it obviously. In 2016, they were the 12 seed. I mean, all three years they got bounced in the first round. Right. 12, 12 seed. They lost to number five Maryland. 2017, they were the 16 seed, lost to number one Gonzaga. And then in 2018, they were the 12 seed and lost to number five Ohio State. So small school. Sim- close to Nevada, but they, um, I mean, they've, they've had, they got the experience. They've been yeah. there before. So they're, I mean, I would, I think I was talking to a, one of the guys I work with and he said 1,700 people were at their last game. So it's obviously going to be a step up going to Lawler. It's going to be right. a lot more than 1,700 people, but 
Uh, they've played in these arenas before, so I don't think this is going to be too much of a, I don't think the crowd size is going to factor too much with them. Because they played in front of 1,700 people last week? No, I'm saying because they've been in the situation. They've been in the tournament. Oh, they, oh I got you. I got you. No, no. Speaking I'm saying games, like maybe if they hadn't made the tournament, then yeah, if they're going from 1,700 to 11K or whatever, it's going to freak you I was know. like, what are you talking about? That's a 10,000 10, people difference. No, no, no. I'm saying that because they've been in the tournament and stuff. They, okay. Speaking of you at work, do you wear the, do you wear that sweater vest to work today or is that a Christmas party thing? We had, uh, because we got the Christmas party after this, we got, um, it was Christmas, I guess like themed. It wasn't like all out festivals, like, so no ugly sweaters, but I'm wearing like a red and blue checkered dress shirt. And then, the, yeah, so. No, you're wearing got, that and then you're wearing a sweater vest over the top. You just need that thing to have like a, a pocket for your pencils and then you'd really be chilling. Uh, can you please tell the people about South Dakota State and not my sweater vest? <laughs> we need to start adding a, a video element to this podcast. Okay. Uh, South Dakota State, three straight NCAA tournaments. A large reason for the, for those NCAA tournaments appearances is they have one of the best players in the country in 6'9 senior forward, Mike Dom. Probably the best player Nevada's going to see this year. He's averaging 26 and 11 this year. His 26 points per game are third. In all of college basketball, he scored 41 against Texas San Antonio earlier this year. He scored 37 on Tuesday against Savannah State. There was a lot of buzz on Twitter that Savannah State game. They scored in the first half 90 points as a team. That is ridiculous. They ended up finishing with 139 points in regulation. Um, so Mike obviously was a huge part of that. From deep this year, he's shooting 44%. 44% from deep. And I'll get this here in a second. He's not even the best three-point shooter on this team. Uh, that would go to David Jenkins. 6'2", sophomore guard, averaging 23 points per game. He's shooting 54% from behind the arc. It's crazy. And that's not even – that's number seven in all college basketball. I honestly thought it would be higher than that. But he he's making over half his attempts from deep, and that is uh, – efficient that'll work so <laughs> the, the tandem of, of david jenkins and mike dom pretty strong yeah to say the least strong. yeah i i was looking at mike dom too i was looking at some of his stat lines pretty great pretty insane it's funny i thought remember how last week when you were talking about arizona state and their limited amount of double doubles mm-hmm. and you're and you mentioned that it's hard to get double doubles in college basketball and stuff and this guy's just averaging it's all over up. the place yeah yeah uh, the other thing I had to kind of going on how you talked about scored 90 in the first half. Uh, in the last four games, they're averaging 102, 100, well, close to 103 points a game. Uh, granted, these are against Northern Illinois, Memphis, Southern and Savannah State. So they're not playing the Dukes, the Kentuckys. But regardless of that, if you're putting up 103 points a game, that's impressive regardless. Cause even if you're firing, I mean, you're still going to be making a lot of shots. Right. Yeah. Th- th- this offense is. Legit. Best offense Nevada's seen this year. Ken Palm has him at 25th in, in adjusted offense for the season. So they're averaging 102 for the last five. For the season, they're averaging 88 points per game. That's 12th in the country. As a team, they're shooting almost 45% from deep. That's stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is fourth in the country. They're shooting 52% from the field, also fourth in the country. And they don't turn the ball over. L- less than 11 turnovers per game. They're 17th in the country. And just for, I mean, there are some stupid numbers in that Savannah State game. In the Savannah State game, shooting from deep, they were 23 of 34. 
There are some people who couldn't shoot 34 free three throws, 34 free throws and make 23. They made 23 of 34 three balls in a live game scenario. That's that's ugh, that's dumb. All right. What else did you find? Uh, then I was looking at their schedule, see if I could find anything uh, common opponent wise. But they they actually also played Grand Canyon as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they snuck that one out. They also had a pretty close game. They won seventy nine to seventy four. That was the, to, and that was the season opener, the first week uh, of season opener. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And compare it to our win of seventy four to sixty six. Um, I mean, fairly similar. So. We'll see though how Nevada does. I mean, obviously, Grand King is on the road. I expect them to just go lights out. You know, first game back to Lawler. I think that place is gonna be bumping. But yeah, same same opponent. They won. They snuck it out too. Yeah. So that was one of the things I wanted to point out as well. They had played Grand Canyon, so they have a common opponent. They've also played Colorado State. They played in Florida, and I think it was in a Thanksgiving tournament. They beat Colorado State by thirteen. Their th- their nine and three record looks nice. They haven't played anyone. I mean, the best team they've played um, is Memphis, and they lost that game. They're, I mean, their three losses are to Memphis. Ken Palm hasn't won 19. Tulane, 210. And Florida Gulf Coast, 257 in, in Ken Palm. So those are some Ooh. pretty pretty rough losses. Uh, Ken Palm has South Dakota State at 77. So that's that's not shabby. Uh, but the net or the rim, excuse me, has South Dakota State at 127. So this is another quadrant three game for Nevada playing a 127 at home. Quadrant three losses do not look good. I don't want to throw out the must win term, but this would be another serious black eye on, on the resume if you're not beating a quadrant three team at home. The, the honorable mention thing I'll add, Nevada played a really long team in Arizona State on Friday night. That will not be the case on Saturday. They have Mike Dom, obviously, at 6'9". Jenkins, who I already mentioned, is 6'2". Then they go 6'6", 6'2", 6'4", on their starting five. So you would think Nevada's length would certainly be something that uh, that Muss and company are, are excited about, the advantage they'll, they'll have in this one. Who is your favorite player on the other roster? Brandon Key, 5'10", 180-pound senior. Mm. So I stayed away from what he has been doing, but I looked at kind of where he came from. And so he trans he transferred out from a JUCO school. Um, but when he transferred out, he was he was fifth in the nation with 211 assists. Um, he was shooting almost 40 percent from behind the arc, uh, or no, 35 percent from behind the arc, 40 percent from the field. He was 128 of 180 from the line. So. Um, going back to this guy's previous stuff, not looking at this year's, but, um, this is a guy that can definitely play, can move the ball around. And just because of his size too, that's kind of why I picked him okay. a little short, little shorter guy, average height, average size. So Brandon key, there aren't as many fun, uh, body shapes to pick from in basketball as there were in football. I know you don't, you're not finding these six no. foot, 400 pounders. No, I'm not finding a lot of those guys. I went with David Jenkins. I already gave him a shout out as, as someone that Nevada's going to look out for on Saturday. He can really fill it up. He's from Tack Town. He's from Tacoma, Wilson High. So he went to high school 10 miles from the Pacific Lutheran University. Go Lutes. And, and right, we're going to cut, we're going to cut that out. Absolutely <laughs> not. 
So that that alone was reason to pick him. And this dude, I told you, I mean, he can straight up play basketball. He was 8 of 11 from deep in that win over Savannah State. 8 of 11. Pretty great, right? Not really. That's the second time in three games he did it. He also did it in a loss at Memphis. So in those two games, he was 16 to 22 from deep. Not bad. <laughs> That'll work. He scored 28 plus five times this year. And he tweeted the other day, I looked, at that, looked up his Twitter. When you make it out of the hood, they say you Hollywood. So South Dakota State, like everyone compares it to, is, is very similar to Hollywood. There you go. <laughs> so yeah. I was see- <laughs> Never mind. I was gonna say, yeah, so, so David Jenkins from, from Tacoma, the pride of Tacoma, other than myself. I, I would say it goes me one, David Jenkins two. <laughs> I think Kel Duncan's number one, but. <laughs> Ooh. That's my book. There's a shout out. There's a shout out. Alright, <laughs> keys to victory in this one, I'll let you start. Alright, um. I just got get the ball moving, get the ball moving around, um, and get the crowd into it. I was looking into it. Um, Cody Martin, he hasn't been in double-digit figures and assists um, since the first or since the third game. He did it the first three games. He had a, I can't remember the exact numbers, but he was double-digit figure for those three, and they haven't done it since. So I'm gonna say get the ball moving around because that's one thing the crowd does like. You kind of start slinging it around, get somebody, maybe get the three-point shooting percentage up, hit somebody before they hit a three, and you know just get Lawler rocking. Yeah. For me, the the biggest key, and we like we always do, we always we picked a few here, is continue to play really well on the defensive side of the court. USC, Arizona State, Grand Canyon all scored season lows, and it was against Nevada. The, the defense is taking just massive strides. From where it was last year, something we talked about early in the season. This is something the team's going to have to do, where it's going to have to improve if it's going to go on a run in March, and it's done it so far. I mean, it, the defense right now is good enough to go on one of those those long runs, and I think on Saturday it's really going to start at the perimeter. Nevada's played really well guarding the three point line so far this year, allowing teams to shoot twenty eight point three percent. That's thirty one in the country. We talked about South Dakota State; they shoot forty four percent from deep especially David Jenkins, especially Mike Dom. So defense and really uh, maybe even more specifically defending the three-point line is something that I think is going to be really important for Nevada on Saturday. What else do you got? That was literally my next point, was just saying don't give them the easy buckets. They're not, like we said earlier, they're not going to be intimidated by the environment, and they've proven that they can hit the three. Yeah. So guard, guard in the perimeter. You mentioned ball movement. I want to see this team attack the rim. Muss is letting Caleb shoot out of a slump right now. And I don't remember. It might have been on his uh, Wolfpack Coaches show or I don't – that might have been it with, with John Ramey. I'm not sh- exactly sure what I remember him saying it, uh, that he, he'd rather guys shoot out of slumps, work through things in practice than in games because games are about winning and then we can work on improving things and fixing things in practice, which makes sense. But Caleb is going to have the eternal green light. He's, he's going to let him let him shoot it. And I don't think you can knock him for that. I just think that with Nevada's size advantage it's going to have, I, I, I want to see them go low and attack the rim because that really is when they're playing well, when they can play inside out as opposed to outside in. I think this is going to be a good opportunity for Trey Porter to get going again. He was he was quiet, especially in the, in the Grand Canyon game. 
We'll see if Grand Canyon plays or if South Dakota State plays zone defense and then maybe they don't get to use Trey Porter as much. I'd expect them to play zone. I still think uh, a good opportunity for Trey to have an impact in this one, but I really want to see them attack the rim. What else you got? I had the, I had those two. Those two. The, the last one is an obvious one. <laughs> Just start better. <laughs> I mean, it's that wouldn't be a huge stretch because both of the starts the last two games were not good. I mean, you have the down 36-21 against Arizona State, down 11 nothing against Grand Canyon. I think there's more going to be more room for error on Saturday, being back at home, playing uh South Dakota State team. Yes, they, they can score the basketball, but I think just you look at a team like that and you'd say, mm, playing play at home, get the, get that thing going again, ret- returning back to Lawler, maybe have a little bit more, more room uh, for error, but that's not a habit you want to get used to. So mm-hmm. I'd say we try to maybe nip that thing in the bud and try starting faster. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm all right with that. <laughs> what do you got for a prediction? I'm going to say 71-62 Nevada. The, uh, the quality of offense these two teams play, and you're going 72-61? I am going low scoring. That is low I have, scoring. I have done it. I, I'm almost positive I was right in the Grand Canyon game, but it was the same thing when they played Arizona State. My prediction was low. I was easily the closest one. I'm going low again. Some are trying to call this one a trap game like the Grand Canyon game, and I'm not necessarily buying it. Maybe if it's on a really, really big sale, then I'd maybe buy it. But the Grand Canyon game, as we mentioned, it was basically a road game. It was a short turnaround. It was a long trip. It was coming off the immediate heels of an, of an emotional emotional win. Nevada's had a week now to get ready for this one. They're coming home. They're not going to be surprised about Mike Dom. They know all about him. They've had time to prepare for this. I expect Nevada to come out aggressive. Must, you know, has <laughs> has mentioned the slow starts and that those need to change. The place is going to be rocking. Nevada coming in, into that one at 10 or no. I got Nevada 85, South Dakota State 76. So I got, I got a nine point win. You got an 11 point win. I got a nine, nine as well, but lower nine. You said 72 61. 61 Oh. Okay. So we both got a nine point win then. I'm going the over, mm-hmm. whatever that is. I wish we <laughs> yeah, get the spreads seven. for college basketball earlier. It's dumb they make you wait so long. Yeah. Why did they annoying. do that with football? The spreads come out earlier. We talked about um, this already. Well, I th- I think it's just because with basketball, there's a chance of in between games, people can get hurt, stuff like that, and they don't want to be throwing out lines and say like, say South Dakota State or you know, for example, they're plus ten, and then they played a game yesterday and their start Mike Dom tears his ACL, but you got him, you got Nevada at minus ten, but after that news comes out, they're going to be minus seventeen or eighteen. So I think that's kind of why they wait. I guess, or at least. That's my theory. I guess. Well, the the state of college basketball now might be like we're scared someone's going to transfer after the game. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No joke. No joke. We don't know what the roster's going to look like in two days. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good. That's also a good point. Okay, let's jump into some slants. We'll start with games of the weekend. College football is back this weekend. R- quick reminder to everyone. And there's, uh, I think we've had about 20 people so far sign up for our ESPN Bowl Mania group. It's awesome. Need to get in there. Our group name is the Reno Slant. We got really creative with it. So you just need the app. If you have the ESPN Fantasy app, it's super easy to sign up. Just type in the Reno Slant. You'll find us. There's no password or anything. 
and I'll say this, the people who are in there right now, some of you guys got some crazy names. What if you win? I need to be able to identify you. Like we, so just think about that a little bit with our, with our name choice and whoever wins that thing. Uh, I'm going to mail you a $25 gift card to the stick. I didn't get a cease and desist this week from the stick, so I assume we're okay. Um, but yeah, win- winner's going to get a couple pictures of, of Coors Light at the stick, courtesy of the Reno Slant podcast. How about that? Um, so what's, uh, what, what's, uh, one of the games you're looking forward to this weekend? Not a ton, but there are some. Uh, well, digging into the NFL, you got the no, Chargers. We start, we're just, we're just talking college. Come on, dude. Okay. What do you want to do? Come you on, start sweater college, vest. You want to start college basketball or college football? No. Have you been here this entire time since we launched the podcast in August? We start talking college football. Change Sweater your vest. attitude. Change your attitude. Sweater vest. Change your attitude. Okay, I'm going to start Utah State versus, versus North Texas. Mm. College football. So it'll be interesting to see. They are, I don't know, I'm assuming what, who's their interim? Because didn't all of the... I thought all the Not staff the entire left. staff's gone yet. It's, I mean, Matt Wells left for Texas Tech, so they're going to have an interim head coach. It was uh, like the OC staying around for that game? Sure. Yeah, well, I can't remember. But anyways, I, it took me a second to, to remember that that even happened. That's for whatever. I mean, that was only a couple weeks ago, and that's just lost in my brain because I saw the spread that North Texas was favored by eight, and I was just thinking last time, like, what the heck? I was like, I'm going to hammer Utah North Texas State. favored by eight. Where did you see that line? I saw it on ESPN. The line I saw was Utah State minus ten. Mm, Are you looking at? Me, you're probably looking at basketball spreads, you dunce. Utah State minus seven and a half, half now. It got bet down two, uh, two and a half points last the, night. Well, I was doing my notes late last night. Maybe I thought the plus was a minus or whatever. Okay, so other way around. Utah State minus eight. My apologies there to everybody. <laughs> Over under was sixty eight and a half. But, so the rule um, yeah. is you can't wear a sweater vest for another podcast episode ever, ever again. It's not not a not a good look. Well, there's no there's no pictures out, so there's no evidence that I'm wearing a sweater vest. It's about to change right now. Uh, but yeah, that first first round of kind of bowl games, that's really the only one that I was like, man, I'll probably watch this one. Not a ton of great games. I just took a picture of you, by the way. That's gonna go on Twitter uh, probably tonight nice. at some point. Uh, so that one was certainly one that I had circled. That's going to be an offensive, just shootout. Jordan Love, Mason find two quarterbacks on that one. They've combined for 55 touchdowns to just 10 interceptions. So that's going to be a lot of points. So bet the over. The other game that it has some intrigue is the other Mountain West connection. Arizona State Fresno in the Vegas Bowl. I thought about going to this game. Not going to go to this game. Saturday at 1230 on ABC, the Mountain West champs versus the Pac-12. I think the fun, uh, Contest, whatever you want to say about that one in this game is Fresno's defense versus the Pac-12 and Arizona State's offense. Fresno allowing 13.7 points per game this year. That's number two in all mm-hmm. college, college football. Fresno opened as a four-point favorite. Well, and Arizona, Arizona State's not going to have that. What, Nakeem Harry or what is his name? Yeah, his he, name yeah is? He's, he's, he's getting ready for the draft. Yeah, he's out. Yeah. Okay, now we can talk about NFL. Okay, glad to see we're on your time this week. <laughs> uh, for NFL, I got Chargers versus Chiefs. Yep. Thursday night football. That's going to be a great one. Awesome. KC minus three and a half right now, over under 53. And then I believe this is the Sunday night game. Correct me if I'm wrong. Patriots versus Steelers. It's not. I was surprised it wasn't the Sunday night game. That, is I'm that really just an surprised afternoon? I didn't get flexed. That's, that's a one o'clock game. Okay, so that's going to be one of the afternoons. Yeah, so I, Wow, I really thought that was going to be the Monday night or Sunday night. 
But in that one, New England's minus one over under 52. But yeah, both those games I think are going to be great. There's a lot of playoff implications, mm-hmm. especially, or especially regarding the Chiefs and the Patriots of so who's going to end up sneak, snagging that one seed. But oh, the Pats are out of the one seed now. I think the, the winner of the Chargers Chief, Chiefs game is going to say more about the one seed. Mm. Yeah, we'll be interesting too. I guess if you look at it from that perspective, because I know also too, the Chiefs are banged up. So if the Chargers were going to snag one, this is the week. Yeah, it looks like Sp- Spencer Ware is doubtful this week. Spencer now. Ware is doubtful. They're still not going to have Sammy Watkins. Um, obviously, <laughs> you got your hunts gone. Um, then there was another player too, but I can't remember who the other guy was that they said's banged up. Well, they might get Eric Berry back this week. He's been out for a while, and so him returning for that defense will be a big deal. I and mean, if he does play, it'll be on a limited basis. But him coming back will be a big deal for the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Who do you think is going to win that one? I don't know. I feel like the Chiefs are kind of starting to lose their their gusto a little bit. I mean, the Ra- the Ravens' defense is legit, and they found a way to pull that one out last week. Mm-hmm. I kind of like Phil Rivers to go in there and get it done. Everybody's counting them out. But they the the chart or the Chargers are banged up too. I mean, M- Melvin Gordon might not be back yet, and Austin Eckler might be out too. So they might also be down to their third string running back. Yeah, I guess that's true. But they they got Keenan Allen. They're so, saying Tyree. They're saying Tyree. Tyree Kill. Yeah, they're saying Tyree. Yeah, he Kill got banged up. Be, that's that's the other guy I was thinking. Tyree Kill. Yeah, that time of year. So you look at the the slate. You know what's really big about NFL football this weekend? Tell me. It's back on Saturday, baby. <laughs> oh, so we're getting NFL football on Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. It's that time of year. Yep. Move over college. That time we got two games on Saturday. Texans, Jets, yeah, at 1.30. Then we get to watch our boy Baker. We've established since jump that we're a Browns podcast. Browns at Broncos at 5.20 on Saturday. Uh, the only other game on there that you didn't mention that I think is going to be interesting or is worth maybe watching, getting excited about is Cowboys at Colts. Cowboys 8 and 5, Colts 7 and 6. Mm-hmm. Uh, no line yet because Ezekiel Elliott is apparently questionable. Nice, um, nice. Yeah, we haven't even talked about this yet. Uh, <laughs> oh, first week of fantasy playoffs, and it's brother versus brother, an all Reno slant matchup, the one v four classic trap game for the one seed. And uh, I need, I really need Zeke to play. Like I really need it. <laughs> I'm not commenting until Sunday's over. <laughs> I'm so nervous. I have a six game playoff losing streak going back to the last few years. Six get in the playoffs every year, right out of the playoffs. The one, thing I'll say, the one thing I'll say though for your for your benefit is you had my number this year. I am 0-2 against you. Hard to beat a team three times. I'm not worried. I'm not worried. Quit telling me I'm worried. I'm not worried. I didn't say you're worried. I'm not worried. I'm worried. I'm <laughs> he's not worried, guys. I'm, oh, he's so worried. <laughs> I'm rattled. I'm rattled. One, one seed in both my leagues though. So um I'm I'm rattled. I don't, I'm just I'm just stumbling now okay <laughs> Let, let's jump into some twitter questions thank you to all you guys who sent these in every single week it's it's honestly is one of the most fun things about the show i think is is answering questions from you guys getting to hear from you guys uh what you're curious about what you want to know from the reno slant boys so the first question we got is from miles this is a this is a good question i think we need to be careful how we answer this one mm-hmm. miles asks us uh, if you guys could have any company sponsor the podcast, which one would you individually choose? 
Individually choose, huh? Mm. You know, I would say Nike, but we're in Adidas school now. <laughs> I I don't think they've done any podcast deals. Hey, so there's got to be a first for everything. So we take a lot of pride in uh, being an authentic podcast, telling you guys how it is. The next step for this podcast is to start selling it. So we, we do at some point want to want to bring some partners on, bring some sponsors on, and really help this thing grow. Um, it would obviously give us maybe a little bit better exposure, but it would open some doors for us in terms of what we're capable of doing. Um, if we could bring a little bit of money in. So that is the next thing for this podcast, we think. In terms of who that would be, we do have a list of companies that we, that we're going to reach out to, groups that we're going to reach out to. I don't we're checking wanna, it, we're checking it twice. We are going to check it twice and probably a third time. And, um, I don't want to reveal that one, that one yet. But I will tell you guys that that is uh that's coming down the chimney if you know what I'm saying. I get uh, it. It's a Christmas reference. Very good. So we got a we got a few questions from Blake. Uh, Blake asks, um, "So you seem to be in the know now." That's uh that's a that's a stretch. <laughs> Murray NSN so Chris Murray mentioned in a recent article there may be one more big name transfer. Talking about football, any idea who? So I'm not nearly that plugged in with with the ins and outs. I did read that article. I did see that, and he had said something on Twitter earlier that the transfers might not be done. I have no idea, um, nothing to back this up. But if just kind of look in about who would maybe make sense. This again, this is just completely pulling us out of a hat. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Vincent Lee maybe transfer out, the running back. He's got Toa Tawa ahead of him. In, in his same class, I don't know how many big big schools would be looking at him, but you'd think that he'd maybe get some opportunities elsewhere. He did score a handful of touchdowns this year. Um, that one, would, if if he wanted to transfer out, I would I wouldn't be surprised. But again, that's just me completely speculating, which is always totally safe and, and harmless, right? Um, Blake also asks, do you blame the slow starts in the last two games? on brutal travel over the three weeks or something else. I think travel was a factor. I think playing with a short short bench so guys are tired was a factor. I think playing in some NBA arenas was a factor. You throw all that in there, you end up getting nine for 40 over two games. Again, I'm, I'm not overly concerned about the the poor starts um, for Nevada. Hopefully they can start out better Saturday against uh, South Dakota State. Favorite Wolfpack Twitter follow? We should all follow... And favorite non-Wolfpack Twitter follow. So do you have a couple that, that come out to mind or come to mind? I think Law of the Jungle is really good for mm. the Wolfpack Twitter. Um, they got tons of stuff. The page is great. I mean, anybody that supports us, I'll always back. <laughs> yeah, they're reading um, the slant. Good. Yeah. Uh, and then I guess non-Wolfpack Twitter account that I follow, there's that. I think you follow it too. It's that Arrested Developments quote Twitter. Yeah. Like they don't tweet a ton, but every time they when they do lay one out, it's always just so it's just hilarious. I love that show so much. Yeah, so so shout out to Ryan, Law of the Jungle, Envy. That is a cool site. I mean, he tweets them out every week before the game, and he'll. It's just a spot where you all the Nevada content is on there, mm-hmm. including the Reno Slant. Uh, my favorite Wolfpack follow. If you guys listen to the show, I would say there's probably a ninety-eight. 
0.73% chance you're already following both of these people. Uh, Chris Murray, no one better at being in the know with what's going on. Not only what's going on, but he does a really good job of explaining what it means, too. Um, which the, the context is an important, important part of being a journalist today. And the other one, I'll go with John C. Fremont um, and his insights more from a, a fan perspective than, than a journalistic perspective. Uh, he's got some funny stuff. I'm very curious to know who that is. Very curious to know who that is. We'll offer you a large sum to reveal yourself. Large sum. We got, we got, I think I got five bucks in my wallet. <laughs> and my favorite non Nevada Twitter follow. And we talked about this before with some sports ones. I went with like, I mentioned Ryan Rossello and I mentioned, um, Alex Seattle Sportsnet up in Seattle, Seattle blogger. I really enjoy following. Uh, I really enjoy following Bill Simmons. I love his podcast. It's one of, one of my favorite podcasts. Um, but I'm going to go with a non sports one. I don't know if you follow this one. Thoughts of dog. Have you followed that one or know what it is? I think I followed that before I deleted my Twitter. I, I haven't refollowed it since I started up again. Thoughts of Dog is great. They they tweet they put tweets together. They talk in really short bursts. They have like running jokes. So there's the Skittle under the fridge, and there's my friend Sebastian, and it sounds literally like a dog is talking. <laughs> and I think it's up like 1.7 million followers now. It's a huge thing. So I'm, I'm gonna go with thoughts of dog. It's just crazy the the world we live in now that you can tweet from what would what we would perceive the mind of a dog, and you got 1.7 million people who are interested in that. The internet is a crazy, crazy place. I can't I can't keep up with it. <laughs> we're on the internet. That's where we're living. I'm not in thoughts of a dog world though. <laughs> All right, uh, Eric Granada does CrossFit. Odds of landing Kyrie Walker. So Kyrie Walker, five-star recruit from Phoenix, some pub that the entire coaching staff was there to visit him on Saturday before the Grand Canyon game. 6'5 wing, class of 2020. Uh, apparently he can reclassify to the 2019 class, but that doesn't sound like it's going to happen. He originally committed to Arizona State. He decommitted as a verbal commitment and now has Nevada listed in his top three along with Memphis and Penny Hardaway and Kentucky and John Calipari. So, so the fact that Nevada is in the final three for one of the best players in the country is, is a big deal. An in that Nevada has is that Kyrie played with KJ Himes, who's a redshirt freshman for Nevada last year or this year. They played together last year and it sounds like KJ is doing a little bit of recruiting. Um, I'm sure he could send a million texts to him and, and Musk still wouldn't think it's enough. <laughs> yeah. By <laughs> banking on KJ to, to try to, try to make that happen. The advantage Nevada has here is that Nevada is the closest of those three to home. He's originally from the Bay Area, but Bay Area, Phoenix, um, not too far from Reno, especially compared to Memphis and Kentucky. You have KJ Himes, who's certainly an asset. The disadvantage would just be that you're not Kentucky and you're not Penny Hardaway. Yeah. And Memphis be too. So if we're playing the numbers game, Nevada's in the top three, I'd say 33%. <laughs> and that might be honestly where that might actually not just being sarcastic. That might be a real number. I mean, Nevada has a shot, but not many times does Nevada go head to head with Kentucky and, and, and win that one. But mm. the fact that Nevada, that Mus and Nevada are, are in this situation, they got a legit shot at him. He'd be the, 
highest recruited kid ever to sign at Nevada. He's even more highly touted than, than Jordan Brown was. It's uh, just another testament to where this program is now. Nine wins four years ago. Nine. From Clark, New Mexico and San Diego State have both failed to live up to the expectations so far this season. Will either team get things going during Mountain West play to challenge the pack? So to say that both have failed to live up to expectations might be underselling it. I mean, there weren't massive, massive expectations, but New Mexico State was picked to finish second or third. San Diego State was picked to finish second or third. I don't know which the order was. And... They've both lost a ton of basketball games. I mean, New Mexico State's four and four. San Diego State's five and four. New Mexico State's 164 in the rim. San Diego State's 105. New Mexico's lost three straight. They lost to New Mexico State by about three million. They lost that game by 35. They lost to St. Mary's, which is down this year by 25. They had a chance to beat Colorado last night at home. Had a couple of big leads. They find a way to lose that one by three. San Diego State has lost to San Diego at home. They had a couple opportunities against Duke and Iowa State and got ran off the floor in both of those games. So Nevada is doing its part to carry the Mountain West flag and is not getting a lot of help behind them. I and Utah State has been a surprise. Will they pop up to challenge Nevada? I wouldn't be surprised at all. I mean, these are these are conference rivals. They play each other all the time. I, I would expect those to be close basketball games, especially on the road. We, we talked about how much of a house of horrors it can be for Nevada going to San Diego State. So I would expect them to be close games, but they have done nothing to give themselves a chance of, of an at-large berth in the NCAA tournament. We'll say that. And the Mountain West really starting to look like a one-bid conference again, and it's barely December. It's a bummer. Uh, fake Matt Mummy. Who actually watches and likes these Transformer movies they keep making? Thank God it's a, mo- a question about not watching movies. <laughs> We we can relate to not watching movies. I'm, we're, your, we're your guys. <laughs> hey, you got questions about not watching movies? You've come to the right podcast. <laughs> I want the first few Transformers. I really liked. Yeah, I think I only saw the fir- the first one was with what Shia LaBeouf, Shia and, LaBeouf, and Megan Fox. Yeah, that was Megan. Good F- stuff. I could not could not remember what her name is. Yeah, but I remember that, and it had the Camaro Bumblebee, the Bumblebee. yellow one. Well, the, the the new movie, I think, is a movie. I think it's Bumblebee, is the new one. That's stupid. But yeah, that's the last one I saw. So Mike, my, my response is I have no idea why they keep doing it. These studios, they just see money hole, money suckers and they think they can get, you know, X amount of dollars out of it. So that's my theory is that they just, they think that they're going to ride this train until it, till it's, you know, can't produce any more dollars at the end. But yeah. no, it, I'm, I'm surprised with some making movies as well. Once Shia LaBeouf left and once Megan Fox left, I really stopped caring. I barely cared enough to see the first one, but <laughs> the first one's good. The first one's good. All right. Andrew asked us on email, uh, will you be covering the Wolfpack baseball team this year? And have you considered covering Reno 1868 FC when summer rolls around and there's no Nevada sports going on? We have talked a lot about what our plan is going to be this summer. We're still going to put a podcast out every single week, every Wednesday in terms of what that's going to look like once football, once football and basketball are over. Is still a little fluid on what guests we're going to have on, what the show is going to look like. We want to have a similar structure. 
I don't want to commit to anything, but both of those options are definitely being discussed, and I would say they're probably likely. Um, I had Reno 1868 head coach Ian Russell on my radio show all the time and would certainly love to have him on the podcast um, maybe at some point this summer. So it, it's likely. It's not set in stone, but um, that's a really good question, Andrew. I appreciate you asking. And uh, I'd rather just be basketball season year-round. <laughs> uh, I don't think that's going to happen, though. So something we're certainly talking about. Okay, random Reno. What did you find? So this is kind of an interesting one. It deals with our automobile museum, but referencing a movie, Doc Brown's time traveling DeLorean has nothing on the golden DeLorean that is in Reno's National Automobile Museum. Mm. So I, I have never been inside, but that almost makes me want to go check it out. Well, have you seen Back to the Future? Have we seen that movie? Yes, I have seen that. To clarify that, I have seen that. <laughs> okay, there we go. We've seen a movie. We got one. We got one. <laughs> but yeah, so I thought that's a pretty interesting. I mean, I'm sure somebody's seen it, but yeah, Golden DeLorean is pretty cool. All right. In terms of square mileage, Nevada is the what largest state in the country? What do you What do you think? Third behind Texas and California. All right, seventh. Damn. All right, you're in the top ten. A hundred, little north of 110,000 square miles. 85% of them federally owned. I have seen that, including obviously a uh, little town of Rachel, aka Area 51. The biggest is, as everyone knows, Alaska with 570,000 square miles. Alaska is so big, well, it's stupid. Well, apparently I'm not everyone because I just realized that I didn't even think about a lot. Oh, California. you say Texas and California? So something stupid we said next week. There we holy crap, I forgot yeah. about Alaska. Something stupid you said and something stupid you wore. Sweater vest, bro. It's a problem. We gotta fix it. Have some Christmas spirit, you Grinch. It's not a lack of Christmas spirit. There's just a lack of presence, knowledge, awareness, poise. You're not, you need to be like Nevada basketball, and you're not right now. You're like San Jose State. You're the San Jose State host of this podcast right now. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Yeah, I got no defense. I do look like San Jose. I would, I would give myself new, I would give myself at least, um, the Fresno. Come on. No. Fre- I'm at Fresno's least. Fresno's one of the better teams in the conference this year. What sport well, are we every, talking? Every year. Football, they won the conference. Basketball, they're right there. Maybe I'm talking San Jose, else. No, you're giving us what are they in volleyball? Okay, you, you you can be Fresno State volleyball. That's what you are. You can hang your hat on that. To Just, anybody who wears, yeah, you know, anybody else who wears sweater vests, I apologize for this Grinch, but we'll move on. The reality is, no one, no one. All right, behind one Alaska, one man army. Behind Alaska, you got Texas, California, Montana, New Mexico, and Arizona's bigger than Nevada. Upset. Yeah. That's an upset, but I, I, I probably would have guessed Nevada on that one. Yeah, that's surprising. And that's our show this week. We went a little bit longer than we would have liked, but it's a little bit easier than an hour 50, 50 plus, which is where we've been. So appreciate you guys every single week for listening to the show. For those of you who have made it this far, we are grateful for every single listen that we get from you guys. Thank you to Danny Kleppinger for coming on the show. She is going places, certainly one of the, the up and comers in sports media today. Thank you to Jared Hadler for the iTunes five-star review of the week. 
Uh, don't forget to leave your iTunes five-star review of the week. I know you're listening right now. Just go into iTunes. Just scroll down. Leave us a little review. It takes 30 seconds. Uh, and you'll get a chance to be the review of the week. Next week, we'll shoot you a dollar on Venmo. You can reach us on Twitter, at Shalp Adam, at Shalp Nathan, or at the Reno Slant. You can get us on email, slant at gmail.com. Tip on Saturday night at Lawler, 6 o'clock, South Dakota State. It's on ESPN3. If you can't not go to the game, can't go to the game, have a great weekend, everyone, and you know that we'll be back next week. Go Pack. Thanks for listening to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans. Until next time, and we're still not talking about the Loyalist Chicago tournament game.